The following message is brought to you by Morgan Hill Bible Church. For all things MHBC, connect with us on social media and check us out online at mhbible.org. For those that haven't uh, gotten to meet me yet, my name's Ben. I'm the pastor of outreach here at Morgan Hill Bible Church. And some of you may not know, we sponsor and support over 20 missionaries uh, all around the world uh, doing amazing things uh, for God. And we have the special privilege today of having one of our missionaries with us. Um, so I'm not seeing you. Oh, there you are. Uh, Irene, come on up. Uh, this is Irene Mota. Yeah, go ahead and welcome her up if she comes up. She serves with uh, Restoration Ministries in Brazil, uh, pouring in um, to kids living in some of the toughest areas and just loving on them um, and, and doing amazing work. So uh, Irene, uh, just share with us uh, something that's happening in your ministry that just has you super excited right now. Good morning. Bom dia in Portuguese. It's nice to be here with my family here in Morgan Hills. Thanks so much for having us. Is doing ministry 20, over 20 years, one of the exciting things that I can see today. In the middle of all the darkness of the slums, five slums that we work with, is celebrate with you today that 80% of our staff today, they were kids who was raised from the ministry. Wow. Amen. Wow. <laughs> this is a blessing of God. You know, God so powerfully has changed many lives, and I rejoice with that. And we have been invested on the leadership training, equip the people, and also send. Like some of you knows, we have Tatiana Wellington from Restoration Ministries. They are serving Mozambique right now for more three years. Amen. Amen. There is many reasons for we celebrate. Also, we have two people from our staff that we are planning to send next year to the seminar to be a pastor for God's glory. Wow. Amen. Uh, plus, talking about so many ministries, we have 10 different programs in the ministry for since kids until adults. And those programs are the tools that we use to reach them out to Christ, share God, you know. For the, we have over 500 kids, uh, kids and teens in our ministry programs today, weekly attending the ministry. We have over 200 kids involved in the small groups program. This is a challenge I want you guys to pray for because we believe so. This is the new generation of the ministry. And one of the, the amazing things we rejoice this year is one of the leaders of these small groups is Karen. She was 13 years old, living in a very poor area. The most of her relatives are involved in drug business, selling drugs, include her mom. She accepted Christ when she was 13. Once she was growing up, she became a volunteer in the ministry. She was part of the small groups when she was young. Today, she's one of the key leaders. Mm. And just bring tears to my eyes to see there is no darkness, you know, against God's power. Amen. Mm. And we really rejoice with you guys. You are part of the ministry. We are family. You have been salt and light with us back in Brazil through so many things that God is doing in restoration ministry. And I'm very, very thankful. 
Awesome. Awesome. Oh, I forgot to tell you that we had been planting shirts throughout this year, and we have now three shirts planted. Two wow. of them is really in the middle of the favelas. Mm. You know, we bought a small little, how you say, wood house, very small one, and we built up a day center that, that functions doing all the activities during the week and three times a week also function as a church. And you are invited to go to visit our Brazils and pray for us. <laughs> I'm going to stop before Pastor Ben be mad with you. Well, you can tell she's just absolutely passionate about what's happening down in Brazil. Um, absolutely amazing things. Uh, we're working on getting me a ticket to go down there at some yeah, point. <laughs> yeah, we um, but uh, uh, I would invite you. She's going to be uh, outside under our welcome tent right after service. Uh, come say hi. You can even just sign up uh, for her regular newsletter and just get stories in your inbox and ways that you can be praying for, for her and her husband, Paolo, and their ministry out there. Um, but what's, uh, what's one tangible way that we can be praying for you? You guys can pray for the ministry for our financial needs. Also pray for my son, Daniel, that he got engaged. He's living here in the U.S., just finished college, and he's going to get married next year. Uh, Sophie is here with me. She's 19 now for the ones who knew her when she was a baby. I mean, drop her in the college this week. Pray for me and Paulo. We're going to be empty nest. How to adjust <laughs> to that situation, you know? And, uh, yeah, and pray for God to keep blessing the ministry and really, really are counting with your prayers. Yeah. Well, let me pray for you right now. Lord Jesus, we are just so thankful uh, for Restoration Ministries and everything you're doing in Brazil. Um, we pray for Irene and uh, Paulo, God, that you would just um, knit their hearts together, God. Let them work uh, as one, and um, God, just continue to do amazing ministry. I pray, God, that as they're entering this new season as empty nesters, God, that you would keep their eyes open for, for ways that their ministry can look different now that they're empty nesters. Um, and we do uh, pray for their kids um, as they're headed off to college and headed off to, to marriage. Um, God, we're just thankful for that and just pray your blessing over them. Uh, we do just pray that you would continue to uh, provide for Restoration Ministries in ways that just surprise us. Um, God, you know some of the needs, the tangible financial needs. Um, God, we're thankful for just the, the years of faithful ministry and now 80% of the people in their leadership were, were kids that were just receiving and a part of the ministry. Um, God, that's your faithfulness uh, happening there in Brazil. God, would you continue to expand and multiply that? We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you so much for being here. Yeah. She's going to head off and share uh, with our kids now, which is uh, just great. But be sure to stop by uh, after the service and come say hello. So I was born and raised here in the Bay Area. Uh, so it may come as a surprise to you that I am a Cleveland Indians fan. Okay, Cleveland Guardians now, technically, whatever. Um, but uh, so my mom was born and raised in Cleveland. And she raised me as a Cleveland Indians fan. So I would appreciate your prayers coming. It's been a really just difficult life. Um, yeah, it's hard. Uh, back in 2019, I was out in Boston uh, on a trip. And 
I had the opportunity to go to a game at Fenway. And wouldn't you know it, it just so happened that the Indians were playing the Red Sox. And so, of course, I had to go to this game. And uh, I've got a picture of me there at Fenway, all swagged out in my Indians gear, you know. I got my shirt on, I got my hat on, and I want to point something out to you, not just the, the girl's silly face behind me that I have no idea who that is, but everyone behind me is wearing some sort of Red Sox swag or Boston swag or something like that. I did not belong, right? I did not fit in. This was not a place that was comfortable for me, you know? I got some booze, I got some other words uh, thrown at me for wearing what I was wearing. But it actually brought me joy. Because I realized, okay, I'm in the right place, right? Uh, if I had shown up and there were a ton of people uh, just all wearing Indians gear, I, I might have been confused. Did I make it to the wrong place? Am I at Progressive Field and not at Fenway? Uh, did I make it to Cleveland somehow? What is going on? It brought me joy to see that I didn't fit in because I knew I was in the right place. As Christians, we don't belong in this world. We don't belong. This is not our home. We've been going through uh, this series on the book of 1 Peter. And uh, Peter starts off the book and continues reminding his readers throughout the letter that we're exiles. The first verse of the book of 1 Peter, it says, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion. Chapter one, verse 17, it says, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile. Chapter two, verse 11, it says, beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles. He's driving home this point. This is not our home. We don't belong here. Christians, this letter of 1 Peter was written to you. It was written for you. So as we dive into the passage this morning, I'd, I hope that you walked away encouraged, strengthened, and prepared. Now, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you may find some of what we're talking about this morning confusing or even offensive. Here's my encouragement to you. Write down questions and engage in conversation. Talk with somebody, a friend, a family member, one of us. We'd love to dive into your questions. As Shawnee pointed out early, we love talking about those questions. Now, the last two Sundays in particular, uh, we've been talking about the topic of suffering because Peter takes an extended amount of time in his letter to address that specific topic. And we're coming back to it again this morning. So I would encourage you, if you have your Bible open, go ahead and open it up to the book of 1 Peter, uh, or if you got a worship guide, that's gonna be in there as well, uh, or it's gonna be up on the screen. But we're gonna look at our passage this morning, 1 Peter chapter four, starting in verse 12. It says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. 
But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. Now, if you've been coming for a few weeks and this feels like you've heard this all before, well, you kind of have. We haven't gotten to, into this specific passage yet, but Peter repeats the same ideas and themes over and over and over. As I was studying this passage, there's so many links back to stuff that he said in the previous chapter, two chapters ago, three chapters ago. It's all over. And he's continuing to reinforce some of these ideas we've already talked about. Remember, Peter says over and over that this world is not our home. We don't belong here. Just like me at the Red Sox game, I didn't belong there. <laughs> but in the same way that I found joy in not belonging, Peter encourages his readers to do the same. As he's wrapping up his longer discussion on the topic of suffering, he's encouraging his readers to have a new attitude. A new attitude. That's our title for this morning. Having a new attitude. We're going to spend this morning looking at the new attitude that Peter encourages his readers to have and why he asks us to have that attitude around suffering. But as we talk about suffering, it's really important, first of all, to define what we're talking about, to define what this suffering is. Let's look at verses 14 to 16. It says, if you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. Okay, suffering as a Christian. He says, if anyone suffers as a Christian. Now, as Christians and as residents of the Bay Area, we've all experienced suffering. Whether it's dealing with inflation or the high cost of living or uh, having to modify your lawn care routine due to an extended drought or trudging through the lingering impact of a global pandemic uh, being insulted for having bad style, that's something I suffer with a lot, uh, or having to submit to strict rules you may disagree with, right? We've all experienced suffering, and this is all suffering, but this is suffering that everyone, regardless of their beliefs, has faced, and this is not what Peter's talking about. This is not the suffering that he's referring to. Rather, when he says, suffer as a Christian, he's talking about suffering for Jesus. Look again at four, verse 14. If you are insulted for the name of Christ. 
So when what you're doing is something for Jesus, you're standing up for your faith, you're trying to live out the way that God has called you to live, and then you experience suffering because of doing that, that's the suffering that he's talking about. There's a difference between being insulted for having bad style and being insulted for having a Bible. There's a difference between being modifying a lawn care routine and modifying an educational path for your kids because of what they're being taught at school. There's a difference between a high cost of living and the high cost of following Jesus. This is the suffering that Peter's talking about, suffering for the name of Jesus. Now, the suffering can come at you from other people directly, as we just talked about, or it can come in the form of spiritual attacks from Satan or his demons. We see this in the book of Job, where Job is living the life that God has called him to and experiences tremendous suffering, all within a short 24-hour period. He loses practically everything. Tremendous suffering. And that comes directly from Satan attacking him. Maybe you've had a difficult interaction with a friend or family member that you usually get along with. And it just kind of comes out of the blue. And you're like, what is going on? Why are we having this argument? Why are we fighting with each other? That very well may be a spiritual attack trying to slow you down, causing you suffering. Maybe you've been heading into a situation uh, to serve or, or to share with others and something happens that delays or stops you. That very well may be that suffering that we're talking about, a spiritual attack. Okay, so that's the suffering that we're talking about. Now let's take a look at this new attitude that Peter's encouraging us towards. First of all, and if you like filling in blanks, I'm a total blank fill-in guy. I, I love filling in blanks. If you like filling in blanks, feel free to pull out your worship guide and follow along. Here comes your first blank to fill in. When you suffer for Jesus, don't be surprised. When you suffer for Jesus, don't be surprised surprised. Look again at verse 12. Beloved. Sometimes you have to deliver bad news to somebody that you love or care about. And as you do that, you start out with terms of endearment. Beloved. Hey, I love you. I've got something difficult I need to tell you. That's what he's doing right here. He's telling his readers, hey, I'm with you. I love you. You're my beloved. But what I got to say is going to be difficult. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. Don't be surprised. See, this letter uh, was written to both Jews and Gentiles uh, but targeted more towards Gentile Christians. So people that hadn't grown up in the Jewish faith, but had come to understand what a relationship is with Jesus and started walking with him. And this concept of suffering uh, was foreign to them. Jews dealt with suffering a lot. For centuries, they had been 
under the oppression and rule of others. They had never really had freedom to live in the way that they wanted to and constantly were experiencing suffering. But the Gentiles had kind of had the freedom to kind of live their lives their own way. And then they, they come and they give their lives to Jesus. And they're like, cool, man, everything's humming along. And now I got this new life with Jesus. This is great. And Peter's saying, hey, you need to hear this message because it's going to get real. It's going to get difficult. Suffering is coming. It was abnormal to the Gentiles. And frankly, it's abnormal to us. Now, there's some in our midst today that have experienced regular suffering or persecution for their faith here in the U.S. But this is the exception to the rule. Now, sure, we've faced persecution, right? We can't pray in schools. There's other religions that are getting highlighted and celebrated culturally while Christianity is getting ignored or silenced. Uh, traditional Christian values and morals are getting marginalized or even criminalized. But for the most part, here in the U.S., we're free to live as Christians. Our basic religious rights are protected. We have no fear of being arrested or killed for talking about Jesus. But in other places around the world, this concept of suffering is painfully obvious to them. In places where Christianity is illegal, the Christians there are having to choose between their freedom and their faith. They're having to choose between living for Jesus and living. It's in their face on a daily basis. They don't need to be reminded to expect suffering. The Jews didn't need to be reminded to expect suffering. They've been living this for centuries. But the Gentiles did. We do. So don't be surprised. When it seems like the world is out to get Christians or things are just unfair in how you're able to express your faith or you continue to experience roadblock after roadblock when you're trying to do the good that God has called you to, don't be surprised. Don't be baffled. Why, why is this happening? It's coming. It's all over in scripture. We should know that this is something that's going to happen. But you know what? This is becoming more like Christ. This is what this, this is. This is what growing looks like. This is living for Jesus. He continues on in verse 13. But rejoice. Whoa, hold on. Rejoice? We're, we're talking about suffering, right? Rejoice? I'm one of those people, when someone tells me something and it doesn't make sense, I need to know why. And I'm going to push and question and ask until I figure it out. Some of you, that kind of person drives you up a wall. We are sorry. We just, we're, we're trying our best, okay? Please be patient with us. Um, we got to know why. And thankfully, Peter answers this question. Why have a new attitude? Peter gives us two reasons to rejoice in suffering. The first, when you suffer for Jesus, it keeps your focus on the eternal. When you suffer for Jesus, 
It keeps your focus on the eternal. Let me finish verse 13. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. The difficulties that we're experiencing in the now are building into a beautiful future. It's similar to the concept of of weightlifting or exercise. When you're exercising, when you're lifting weights, it hurts. You're sore. You're sweaty. You stink. But later, you're going to be stronger. You're going to be healthier. You're going to be capable of more. And people who who are really good at exercising, weightlifting, they often have a goal in mind that keeps them going when it gets tough. Paul speaks to this in 1 Corinthians. He says in 1 Corinthians 9, everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. So as you're experiencing suffering, rejoice. Let that suffering be a reminder that there's beauty coming. When you're lifting that heavy weight and struggling and pushing, you're being reminded that, hey, this is building in to a healthier me. When you're facing suffering for the sake of Christ, you're realizing this is building into a beautiful future that God's preparing for me. This is building in to helping me become the man or the woman that God wants me to be. Scripture speaks to this all over. Here's two other examples. In Romans 8, uh, Paul says, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. And he says also in 2 Corinthians, for this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. We have a future with Jesus ahead of us. And that's something that we can get excited about. He says in this verse to rejoice in the sufferings, but then he also says that you may rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. That phrase is translated in other versions, translated as exceeding joy, overjoyed, rejoice with exaltation. The idea that, yes, you're rejoicing now and it's difficult to rejoice when you're suffering, but that is building into a huge celebration that's coming in the future. It's gonna be beautiful. It's gonna be amazing. It's gonna be better than we could ever imagine. The path there is difficult. So keep a focus on the eternal. Now remember, why are we experiencing the suffering? We're suffering for the sake of Christ. We're suffering as Christians. We're suffering because we're walking in the way that God has directed us. We're living differently. And this helps us understand verses 17 and 18. Let's take a look at these two. It says, for it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? See, we know that judgment day is coming. And as it points here and in other passages in scripture as well, the the judgment's gonna begin with us as Christians. 
Now, how are we being judged? Yes, we're being judged based off of our works, but there's a clarification here that uh, Peter is pointing to. He says, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And this is really important clarification because if we're anticipating being judged based on how well we've lived up to the law, guess what? Every single one of us has failed. Every single one of us will fail. But rather, this judgment that he's pointing to is is just wrapped up in this phrase, whether you're obeying the gospel of God or not. And what obeying the gospel of God simply means is committing your life to Jesus. Or as Paul puts it, confessing with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believing in your heart that God raised him from the dead. See, friends, you have been saved by grace through faith. So those that are being judged who do not obey the gospel of God are simply those who have not given their life over to Jesus. And you are saved not because of your good works, but rather because you've given your life over to Jesus. Now, here's where this new attitude fits in with all of this judgment talk. See, we're suffering now because we choose to follow Jesus. This is the path towards the future glory awaiting us. Better to suffer a little now and have this future glory than to try to avoid that and wind up suffering for the rest of eternity apart from Jesus. This is a reason to rejoice. Oh, I'm so glad that someday I will get to sit at your feet and rejoice for the rest of eternity. For those that want to read a little bit more about this, I would encourage you to write down 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. There's a huge chunk uh, where Paul gets into this a lot more. But let's just pause and reflect for just a minute. There are people in your life that have not given their lives over to Jesus. There are people in my life that don't know Jesus. So who in your life do you need to introduce to Jesus? Who do you need to have a spiritual conversation with today? Who do you want to invite to experience the eternal joy of a relationship with Jesus? I'd encourage you to write their name down and pray for them today. So the first reason we can rejoice in the midst of suffering is that this suffering keeps our focus on the eternal. We know that this suffering is temporary. We know it's building to a brighter future. We know that a little suffering now is better than an eternity later. Now here's the second reason to rejoice. When you suffer for Jesus, it confirms where your allegiance lies. When you suffer for Jesus, it confirms where your allegiance lies. Look at verses 14 to 16. If you are insulted for the, na- for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. Did you catch that in verse 14? 
If you're insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed. Blessed? Woohoo! Suffering! Yay! That's what it says. And again, here's this why question. Why, why, why? And he says, because, because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. You can count yourself blessed to suffer because that is a confirmation that the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. There's no reason to question or doubt, God, are you really with me? When you're experiencing suffering, the reason is because God is with you and Satan's doing everything he can to stop that, to slow that down, to get in the way. I had the amazing privilege of leading one of my friends to Christ a couple of years ago. And later that evening, he calls me in a panic because he's having all these negative thoughts, these dark thoughts start creeping into his mind. And he's like, what is going on? And it almost sounded a little morbid for me to be excited about it. But I was like, bro, that just means that you are now walking with Jesus. You have the Holy Spirit with you and the devil's not excited about it. And he's doing everything he can to get in the way and to slow you down. You're walking with Jesus now. This is what it's like. Sometimes, yeah. I, let's just get this out of the way. I played basketball when I was in middle school and high school. I know some of you are wondering. The answer is yes. Uh, and... When I played in eighth grade, we had this one kid on our team that was just head, it's, you can't say head and shoulders above everybody else because he wasn't taller than me. But skill-wise, he was head and shoulders above everybody. Like he was phenomenal, an absolutely amazing player. And so when we'd play these other teams, they'd kind of see like how everything in our game focused around him and they'd very quickly learn we got to put two people guarding this guy. We got to put three people guarding this guy. You know what? Let's not bother defending anybody else. Let's just guard him, right? Because everything focused around him. He was the threat. And so they went after him. Friends, Satan's no dummy. And he can see threats. And when he sees threats, people that are pushing forward with the gospel, people that are sharing with others. He wants to get in their way. My wife and I were doing premarital counseling for this couple. And on our way, we're sitting in the car, we're driving to the appointment with them. We get in this stupid argument over just the dumbest thing. And it starts to like bubble up and become this big like explosion between the two of us. And I don't remember who it was, but one of us just said, time out. This isn't about us. This isn't an issue between us. This is Satan trying to get in the way of what we're headed to do. This is him trying to shut down what we're walking into. Now, far be it from me, far be it from any one of us to pat ourselves on the back when that's happening. Oh man, that means I'm really helpful to what God's doing. That means I'm an awesome Christian, right? No, 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 no. Rather, 
we get to celebrate because we've been invited in to the work that God's doing and he's using us. Now, some of you are thinking this way, so let me clarify. This does not mean that if there isn't constant suffering in your life, that you're not walking with Jesus. There have been periods of time in my walk with Jesus where I've experienced minimal or even no suffering at all. But if you've never experienced suffering for the sake of Christ ever, it's worth asking yourself if you've really given your life over to Jesus. Here in 1 Peter and all over in scripture, it talks about when you experience suffering as a Christian. It's expected. Remember, verse 12 says to not be surprised at the fiery trial when, not if, when it comes upon you. So if you've never experienced suffering for Jesus, are you really following him? Just something to think about. Now, again, why you're experiencing the suffering is key, right? We already talked about this, but just as a reminder, oh, it's been so hard, Ben. We just got two speeding tickets in the last couple of weeks. This is suffering. Nope, not the kind of suffering we're talking about. Yes, it's suffering, but this is not the suffering that it's talking about, right? Like, look at verse 15. Let none of you suffer as a murderer. Oh, I was arrested and tried. Yeah, mm -hmm, because you did something wrong. Or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. Some of you need that word today. As a meddler. But rather, not suffering for those kind of things. But rather suffering for getting mocked or mistreated for having different moral standards. Or struggling with a school system that is teaching my kids something that's contrary to God's word. And it's important, too, to see that the that this suffering isn't always and often is not intentional hatred or antagonism towards Christians. Sometimes it's not. Often it comes from people that simply don't know any better. They're trying to live their life the best way they know how, but since Christ isn't the center of their lives, it's incomplete. Friends, we're simply living in a world that doesn't know Christ. So make sure you're suffering for the right reasons. Now, Peter continues in verse 16. He says, yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. Remember, you're suffering because you're pointing to Jesus. You're making Jesus known. Keep going. Don't let the suffering stop you, but let it do the exact opposite. Let it give you more boldness. This is a sign that you're doing the right thing. Keep it up. Every instance of suffering is an opportunity to point to Jesus. So again, let's just pause and reflect for a second. How is your suffering confirmed in your heart, your allegiance to Jesus? Maybe you've had to end a relationship or quit a job due to differing beliefs or morals. Maybe you've stood up and left a party that's taken a turn in the wrong direction. Maybe you've chosen to befriend someone that everyone else has mocked or shunned. Living for Jesus when the pressure is on shows your commitment. 
And as Shawnee mentioned earlier, baptism is a step in confirming that allegiance. It's an outward profession of an inner confession. And so if that's something that you've never done or you're interested about it, uh, we'd encourage you to sign up online, talk to Ricky, talk to one of the pastors. We'd love to talk more about baptism. That's happening next week. So Peter told us not to be surprised when we suffer for Jesus. He's given us two reasons to rejoice when we experience suffering. Rejoice because it helps you focus on the eternal and rejoice because it confirms where your allegiance lies. All right, head on out. Suffer and rejoice. Piece of cake, right? (laughs) So I'm not the only one that feels like this is impossible. Okay, good. If you feel like this is impossible, here's what Peter says. Trust Jesus. Trust Jesus. Look at how he ends this passage. He says, therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. This suffering is part of God's will. It's helping us grow. It's keeping our focus on the eternal. It's confirming our allegiance to Jesus. God knows what he's doing. He asks us to trust him, living the way he's directed us to, because it is so much better than living life on our own terms. This is the while doing good that Peter's talking about. It's living in this new way that he's been talking about through this whole letter. And I'd encourage you to go back through 1 Peter and look at like, how has he told us to live differently? What kind of instructions has he given to Christians? Here's just a couple. Uh, In chapter one, verse 14, 15, he says, as obedient children, don't be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. In chapter two, he says, to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God. In 2.13, he says, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution. Again, we're doing this all not to earn his favor, but in response to his beautiful gift of salvation and his invitation to a life on his terms, which is indefinitely better than anything we could ever do on our own. Now, Peter even points in this verse to why we should entrust our very souls, everything we are, to Jesus. And it's simply because of who we are trusting. Peter calls Jesus our faithful creator. Our faithful creator is very intentional with that title. He's trustworthy because he's our creator. He made you. He knit you together in your mother's womb. He knows everything about you. He knows how you operate, how you function. And so he knows your needs. He knows how to care for you, how to protect you, how to walk you through life's trials. He's our creator, but he's also faithful. He hasn't changed. He won't change. He has always been and will continue to always be trustworthy. He's come through so many times in my life, continuing to show himself as trustworthy, our faithful creator. That's why I've got the word trust tattooed on my arm. I'd love to tell you about it sometime. 
He has asked you, he has not asked you to walk through anything that he himself has not faced. I want to end with this out of John chapter 15. This is Jesus' words to his disciple just before he's crucified. He says, if the world hates you, living that out a little bit, if the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. Friends, rejoice in suffering. For Christ suffered first for you and for me. You are not of the world. Jesus is preparing a place for you. And they are doing these things because they do not know God. There are many who do not know God. Would you continue to run after Jesus and invite others to run along with you? Would you look for opportunities to point people to Jesus? Invite them in to the suffering you're facing. For in doing so, you're also inviting them in to the glory that awaits you. You're inviting them to a life with Jesus, to an eternity with Jesus. Let me pray. God, you ask us to trust you. And God, I, I gotta be real. Sometimes I just don't get why you're doing what you're doing. But if I take a moment and look back through my life, you have continued to be faithful time after time after time. You've walked me through difficult periods of suffering. Times where I've stood up for your name, where I've stood up for what's right, where I've proclaimed the name of Jesus and experienced suffering because of it. God, help me to continue to rejoice when suffering comes. Help me to not be shocked or surprised at it, but to know that it's coming and to allow it to give me reasons to rejoice, knowing that you're building into me, um, helping me grow. You have a beautiful future awaiting ahead for me. And it's just confirmation of where my allegiance is. God, help us to trust you every single step of the way. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. Continue the conversation with us on social media. Never miss a message and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes.